Blog Talk Radio. Welcome you in the mighty name of Jesus to another broadcast of In the Word with your sister Pearl. I greet you in the name that's high above every other name. 
And that name is Jesus. Such a wonderful, wonderful name. Uh, there is no other name like it in all the world. And I'm so grateful to be just one of his children. Um, I want to give a special shout out to all the fathers uh, all over the world, all over the many, many continents that are uh, a part of our Reaching Out Radio International audience. I want to bless you, fathers. I want to say how very, very special you are. Uh, certainly you are uh, special to me. Uh, I am a single mom, and I really appreciate fathers, good godly fathers, fathers that give so very much every day, 24-7. In a world that we're living in today, often the fathers are not given their due. But I want you to know that um, there are so many uh, women around the world, mothers around the world, daughters around the world, sons, um, nieces, nephews, cousins, uh, brothers, sisters that appreciate you, neighbors, um, co-workers appreciate you and set aside a special day. You need to be honored every day. But I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, happy, happy Father's Day. We honor you and we thank God for you. We thank God for blessing you and, and making you a blessing to so many people. So I just want to say Happy Father's Day again. I want to go straight into the message. As always, I'm very grateful for the leader of this particular broadcast, and that is our evangelist, Montel Fields. She's the visionary behind uh, Reaching Out Radio International that uh, spans all the continents that have broadcast ability. And so we are very, very grateful to this woman of God. Montel Fields. Want to bless you if you're listening to the broadcast, Evangelist Montel. Want you to know that I love you, and I believe I can say for so many of our other hosts uh, on this radio program that we appreciate you so very, very much. Okay, so we're going to go straight into the Word of God today, and uh, the title is quite interesting. It's 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 called Three Things You Don't want to be. We often talk about what we'd like to be as um, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be kind. We want to be compassionate. We want to be loving. We want to be Christ-like. We want to be obedient. We want to be uh, willing to follow the Lord anywhere he tells us to go and to do anything he wants us to do because we know we're never alone. He's always with us. He always goes ahead of us, actually, prepares the way when he calls us to do things. And so we just want to be his faithful children. But I want to talk specifically tonight about three things, and there are many things that you and I should not want to be. We don't want certain things to be a part of our uh, persona, our character. But I want to specifically target three Things that you don't and I don't want to be as believers. So let's just bow our heads in prayer and, and, and ask the Lord to bless this word that he's given me. We know that his word is already anointed. Everything in the Holy Bible is already anointed of God. But I'm going to be saying some things um, and sharing some things that might be new to you. So we pray that Nothing that I say would be outside of the will of God, but everything that I say would be in accordance with his will. 
for you and me to grow in our Christian walk with the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just are so grateful. So grateful to you, Abba. You are the greatest father of all fathers. And we just adore you. We just stop everything to say how much we love you, how much we honor you, how much we need you, how much we depend upon you, how loving you are, how kind, how great, how forgiving, how good, how patient, how tender you are with us. And how careful you are with us. We don't even have enough words in any of the languages that are spoken by the listening audience whenever they're listening to this broadcast, God. We do not have enough words to express our thankful hearts to you. Wonderful, Abba, loving God. Thank you that you are the father of all fathers. And even when an earthly father might fail or forsake us, we know that you have never failed nor forsaken us. Sometimes things happen in our lives that we did not understand. But if it had not been for your grace, your mercy, and your love, and your caring over us, we wouldn't even be alive right now. So we thank you for all of your blessings. And we just ask you, Lord God, not to open up our hearts, open up our understanding. Open up our minds, uh, open up our spirits, Lord God, to receive from you. And God, use this servant, yours truly, to speak forth your will and your words to the people that would listen. Oh, God, let me not say anything contrary to your will, everything in accordance with your divine uh, desire, oh, God. I pray at the end of the day that you will be honored, that you would be glorified, that you would be pleased with what your servant has to say, because I want to emulate you. I want to share your heart with your people today. We pray against every distraction. We pray against everything that would be in our minds that would try to be a stumbling block or hindrance. Father, in the name of Jesus, just remove pain, affliction, a mental distraction, whatever it is, remove it from our minds right now in Jesus' name, God, and just give full uh, freedom for your word to go forth and to be on good ground and to change hearts and lives, directing them towards you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So we're going to talk about three things you don't want to be. And those three things, I'm going to name this, clueless, disobedient, and separated from God. Now, examples of people being clueless, I'm going to give you, I'm going to start out with a little comical story, but it's actually a true story. And it happened to me in the second grade. I was in my elementary school. I was in second grade. It was during the lunchtime period. And uh, we had our little lunch that the school gave. And I always would like to save my dessert for last, of course. The dessert, to me, was the best thing on the plate. So I wasn't thinking about, you know, great nutrition and all of that. I was just thinking about I love ice cream. It happened to be strawberry ice cream in those little Dixie cups. 
And if you're old enough, you remember that they used to serve ice cream in school in these little Dixie cups. So I say that to the end. All of a sudden, an older um, student, I didn't even know him, but I was in the second grade. He was, I believe, in the sixth grade. He came and sat right next to me, right across from me, actually, right across from me. And he started to engage me. And because I was clueless at seven years of age, excited about, you know, an older person talking to me, he was engaging me. And the next thing he was pointing something to me across the hall in the cafeteria. I turned around and looked. And in that split second, he took my treasured strawberry ice cream that was in my Dixie cup. When I turned back, he was gone and my ice cream was gone. Now, that was sad for me that day, but I, of course, I quickly got over it. But I learned a lesson. I was clueless to the fact of why would this sixth grader, who I don't know, I have no relationship with, come and just begin to engage me in conversation and then ask me to, to look around, get distracted, and then he took my strawberry ice cream. So, of course, at the end of the day, he had two portions of strawberry ice cream, and I had none. But I was clueless, clueless as like. And for many, many weeks prior to this message, I spoke uh, uh, in different examples about the first mother, Eve, and the first father, Adam. These were the first people that God created on the earth. And, of course, Adam was created first. But you know from um, experiences that you've learned, listened to this broadcast uh, several times, you've heard me bring up this Adam and Eve lots of times because the the end of the day, you know, we can learn so much from them and what they did. And so basically they were clueless. They were in that Garden of Eden, and they had such wonderful relationship with the Lord God himself. He walked among them. He communed with them. Can you imagine? They didn't lack for any good thing. They didn't even know evil at all. They were naked. They didn't even know that they were naked. They were just enjoying everything that God created for them. But they unfortunately began to listen to the serpent. And they were literally clueless about the plans that this evil serpent which is the devil, had for them. Now, the problem with them in the Garden of Eden is that they completely were taken in by the serpent. But the other problem is something that we, we don't want to be is disobedient. See, they were clueless. They didn't know. They honestly did not know when they disobeyed God how differently their life would be. They would be totally changed, and they would ask to leave the Garden of Eden. They would no longer have that kind of wonderful relationship with God like they had prior to them disobeying God. So you and I, we don't want to be clueless. Eve was clueless. Adam, he knew better, but he really didn't understand what was going to happen. He soon found out. And then they disobeyed God. That was the first thing they did. They disobeyed God. And then the last thing is they were separated from God's presence, separated from him. 
separated from the presence that they knew, that intimate relationship with him in the garden, that was over. So you and I do not want to be clueless. We don't want to be disobedient. And we do not want to be separated from God. We don't want to be that. There's another story in the Word of God. I wish I had time to really get into it, but I don't. I'll tell you where it's found. It's found in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Okay? That's the fifth book in the Old Testament. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34. You read that story from verse 1 all the way to 31, and you're going to read a very interesting story about uh, what happened uh, to these pagan people that did not do the right thing by a young woman called Dinah. And Dinah's brothers uh, were very, very angry. Let me see if I can just quickly um, look this up right now and tell you a little bit story. If you've never heard it, uh, you, you need to. I, like I said, I don't have the time to really get into that. I really don't have the time for that right now. So this is why it's so important for you and I to stay in the Word of God. We need to know. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? Uh, the Bible has something to say about every topic. So, you know, what is it that the Bible says about following God, especially? What does God say? I want you to always remember that you want to know what God says about something, not just what the world says about something, okay? We are people of the word. We are people that want to be led of the spirit of God, amen? And to be led of the spirit of God, we have to know what the word of God says. And, and we'll find direction, we'll find um, guidance, we'll find correction when necessary, we'll find leading, God leading his people. And so let, let's just tell you quickly about this story. Like I can't get into it, I'm going to get into another story. But I do want to tell you something about this. And this is when... Um, Dinah, her brothers killed her rapist and all the men of his town. These were people of God. These were godly people. These were people from the house of Israel. And Dinah uh, was a virgin, and she was a Jewish young woman. And a pagan man that was in the town saw her, raped her, then fell in love with her and wanted her really badly. His um, brothers of Dinah, Dinah's brothers, her father, they were not pleased with this. This was something that was very contrary to the ways of God and, and God's people. And so at the end of the day, what happened was um, this guy's father, the racist father, went to Dinah's father and said, you know what? You know, my son really loves your daughter and I'd like you to make an alliance with us because he really, really wants us. Um, he wants us to be a family, one big family. He wants your daughter. You know, why don't you come and, and live in the land with us and my daughters and, and the women of this land will marry your sons and the men of this land and we'll all be just one happy family. Well, that was not what God planned. And 
it certainly was not to be. Because what happened was the father of uh, Dinah said, you know what? We can't just let our daughter marry your son, and we can't let our, our girls marry your boys because you are, you are uncircumcised. You don't follow the ways of our God. So the first thing you're going to have to do is let all your men, all the men in your village, all the men in your tribe get circumcised. Now, I'm not going to go into the details, but I hope you understand what circumcision means. All right. So, and if you don't, please read the word of God and find out what it means. So all the men got circumcised in the town. And while they were still healing from the circumcision and they were sore, Dinah's brothers went in and killed all of them, every last one. So what am I saying? Those men were clueless as to the plan that was set for them, clueless, okay? And being clueless often gets us in a lot of trouble. It actually got them killed. I'm going to read to you. I want to focus on another story that's found in that one that I just talked about, Dinah's brothers killing her rapists and all the men of the town. That's found in Deuteronomy chapter 34. You can read the entire chapter, verses 1 to 31. Now I'm going to go to another story. In this story, I'm actually going to read the entire story. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 11 to 25. But because I want to give you a good background, I'm going to read the entire chapter. All right, so here it goes. And then this happened. Just as Jeroboam was at the altar about to make an offering, a holy man came from Judah by God's command and preached these were God's orders to the altar. Altar, altar, God's message. A son will be born into David's family named Josiah. The priests from the shrines who are making offerings on you, he will sacrifice on you. Human bones burned on you. At the same time, he announced a sign. This is the proof God gives. The altar will split into pieces and the holy offerings spill into the dirt. When the king heard the message, the holy man preached against the altar at Bethel. He reached out to grab him, yelling, arrest him. But his arm was paralyzed and hung useless. At the same time, the altar broke apart and the holy offerings all spilled into the dirt. The very sign the holy man had announced by God's command. And the king pleaded with the holy man, help me, pray to your God for the healing of my arm. The holy man prayed for him, and the king's arm was healed, as good as new. Then the king invited the holy man, join me for a meal. I have a gift for you. The holy man told the king, not on your life. You couldn't pay me enough to get me to sit down with you at a meal in this place. I'm here under God's orders. And he commanded, don't eat a crumb, don't drink a drop, and don't go back the way you came. They lived by a different road than the one which he had walked, Bethel. There was an old prophet who lived in Bethel. His sons came and told him the story of what the holy man had done that day in Bethel. He told him everything that had happened and what the holy man had said to the king. Their father said, which way did he go? pointed the road that the holy man from Judah had taken. He told his sons, saddle my donkey. 
when they had saddled it, he got on and rode after the holy man. He found him sitting under an oak tree. He asked him, are you the holy man who came from Judah? Yes, I am, he said. Well, come home with me and have a meal. Sorry, I can't do that, the holy man said. I can neither go back with you or eat with you in this country. I'm under strict orders from God. Don't eat a crumb. Don't drink a drop, and don't come back the way you came. But he said, I am also a prophet, just like you. And an angel came to me with a message from God. Bring him home with you and give him a good meal. But the man was lying. So the holy man went home with him, and they had a meal together. There they were, sitting at the table together, when the word of God came to the prophet who had brought him back. He confronted the holy man who had come from Judah. God's word to you. You disobeyed God's command. You didn't keep the strict orders your God gave you. You came back and sat down to a good meal in the very place God told you. Don't eat a crumb. Don't drink a drop. For that you're going to die far from home and not for that. You're going to die, fall from home, and not be buried in your ancestral tomb. When the meal was over, the prophet who had brought him back saddled his donkey for him. Down the road away, a lion met him and killed him. His corpse lay crumpled on the road, the lion on one side and the donkey on the other. Some passerby saw the corpse in a heap on the road, with the lion standing guard beside it. They went to the village the old prophet lived and told what he had seen. When the prophet who had gotten him off track heard it, he said, it's the holy man who disobeyed God's strict orders. God turned him over to the lion who knocked him around and killed him, just as God had told him. The prophet told his sons, saddle my donkey. They did it. He rode out and found the corpse in a heap in the road with the lion and the donkey standing there. The lion hadn't bothered either the corpse or the donkey. The old prophet loaded the corpse of the holy man on his donkey and returned it to his own town to give it a decent burial. He placed the body in his own tomb. The people mourned, saying, a sad day, brother. After the funeral, the prophet said to his sons, when I die, bury me in the same tomb where the holy man is buried, my bones alongside his bones. The message that he preached by God's command against the altered vessel and against all the sects and religion shrines in the towns of Samaria will come true. After this, Jeroboam kept right on doing right on doing evil, recruiting priests for the forbidden shrines indiscriminately. Anyone who wanted could be a priest at one of the local shrines. This was the root sin of Jeroboam's government, and it was this that ruined him. What a story. What a story. Three things you don't want to be. Clueless, disobedient, and separated from God. What you want to do is know what the will of the Lord is. 
then you want to obey his will. And you want to stay very close to him. Before I get into this message in full, let me go back to this story. Because I believe some of you have never heard such a story. But it's in the word of God. It's in 1 Kings chapter 13. I read to you the entire, entire chapter. We need to know what the word of God says. says. We have to study what the word of God says. Now, we have the Old Testament, and a lot of people don't deal with the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is given to us to give us a better understanding. When we, when we take time to study the word of God in both the old and the new, we get a fuller, more comprehensive understanding of God's precious word. Now, now here goes a story where this first prophet, clearly the younger prophet, he heard the word of the Lord. Clearly, and God gave him specific prophetic words for Jeroboam. He was obedient to the word that God gave him, and he actually had the courage and the obedience to go and to give this great king the word of the Lord. And what was that? It was a hard word. It was a word that was going to bring, uh, it was not a jump up, I'm so happy for this word of God kind of word. It, it was a rebuke. It was because of Jeroboam's disobedience. And God's message to him was that, look, this altar is going to be split in pieces. And the holy offerings are going to spill into the dirt. But when the king heard the message that was given to him by the man of God, he was so angry. He was so livid that he got up immediately, reached out to grab the man of God, telling his soldiers and his you know, the people under him, arrest him. As he was reaching out to try to, to get a hold of, of the prophet, the Bible says that the, Jeroboam's arm was paralyzed and hung useless. Wow. Can I tell you something? In 2021, I believe that we're going to see some of the miraculous in our lifetime before the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Because for the same reason that God was very distraught with Jeroboam and, and, and the sin in his government, the Bible says the last part of this chapter, after this happened, Jeroboam kept right on doing evil. And he was recruiting priests for the forbidden shrines indiscriminately. Anyone who wanted to be a, a priest could serve at one of the local shrines. And the root sin of Jeroboam was, was, was the sin, the perverted sexual sin, bringing that into these ungodly religious shrines that were forbidden of of the true and living God, the people were doing whatever they wanted. Whatever they wanted, they were doing. Okay? Whatever they wanted, they were doing. Does that sound like the world you and I are living in today? Does that sound anything at all? Does that resemble the culture that you and I are living in today? It does. All kinds of sexual perversion, all kinds of wickedness 
and rebelliousness against the holy God is going on. And now you've got churches and places that claim to be houses of God engaging in the filth, in the perversion. And let me tell you something. God does not change. He's the same God yesterday. He'll be the same God tomorrow, and he certainly is God today. Same God yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. His desires don't change. His will does not change. And I believe if people keep playing and keep, you know, tempting a holy God, you're going to see some people uh, all of a sudden, uh, they're trying to arrest and trying to harass and trying to uh, hurt the people of God. Watch and see if some of them don't drop dead. See if some of their of them don't become paralyzed, if their arms don't shrivel up. I can tell you that there's been times in some of the closed communist nations when people tried to hurt, when the communist cadres tried to hurt true men and women of God, guess what happened? They got sick. And they had to go to the jail and speak to some of the same people that they arrested and beg them to please pray to the God that they served because they knew that the God that they served was real. And, and their false government was not really God like they wanted it to be. There's only one God, and that's the true and living God, the God who created us, the God who created Adam and Eve, the God who, who created Jacob, the God who created you, the God who created your parents. There's only one God, the God who created the heavens, the earth, the skies, the stars, the universe, the planets, the fish, the sea, the animals that walk on the earth. There's only one God. And we need to honor and worship him. So what these people were doing was they were trying to bring all kinds of abomination and, and mix that with what is right. And you can't do that. You can't mix the profane with the holy. Holy must stay holy. You don't mix it in with dirt. Okay? So now the prophet of God did pray for the king, and God did hear and answer the prophet's prayer and restored the king's arm. Thank God for people that will show mercy. The holy man prayed for him, and the king's arm was healed, and it was good as new. And then the king asked him, listen, I'm, I'm so happy that I'm healed. Come and have a meal with me. I have a gift for you. But the holy man of God said, look, I'm not going to go there because God already gave me strict express orders. He told me, do not eat in this place at all. Don't eat a crumb, don't drink a drop, and don't even go back the same way that you came. I want to speak to you something for today. God has already given us some strict orders. Clearly, in the word of God, he told us things that we need to do pleasing to him. He told us what he likes. He told us what he does not like. He told us to follow him. He told us that we must depend on him 
because he is the giver of life. He, he told that prophet, I don't want you to eat anything in this land. I don't want you to even drink a drop of liquid in this land. I don't even want you to come return home in the same way that you came here. I want you to take a different road back. Now, in the beginning, the prophet listened to what God told him. And when he was invited by the king, which was a big honor, he honored God over and above honoring the king. He, he had reverence for God. But look where he, got, he lost it. Look where he disobeyed God. Listen carefully. Another man, an older man, which was a prophet and lived in Bethel, came to this younger prophet and told him, you know what? I'm a man of God too, just like you. And you know what? Uh, an angel came to me with a message from God. And he said, I need to bring you home with me. And I need to give you a good meal. Now the man, the Bible says, and clearly, in verse 19, the man was lying. And I want you to notice that it calls the younger prophet a holy man. It does not say that about the older prophet. It just says he was an older prophet. See, some people can prophesy, and it might even come to pass. That does not necessarily mean that that person is holy and from God. You want me to say that again? I'm going to say it again. Everybody that's prophesying, even if they give you something that sounds right, is necessarily from God. You're going to get some word that might even come to pass. That does not mean that that man or that woman is a true holy man and a holy woman of God. See, holy means somebody that's set apart, set aside for God's purposes. This older prophet was set aside for the devil's work because he was lying to the younger prophet, clearly lying. God had already given instructions. He already said, I don't want you touching anything in this land. I don't want you eating anything. I don't want you drinking anything. I don't even want you to go home in the same way you same direction that you took to come here. When you and I are under God's directions, we're under his um, command, we are not to be sidetracked and tricked like how I was when I was in the second grade and that little boy in the sixth grade told me to turn around and grab my strawberry ice cream, uh, we are not to be tricked by the devil. Why would the younger prophet all of a sudden turn around exactly the opposite of what God told him to do? And look at the nerve of the devil. After the old prophet got this younger prophet to disobey God and he gave him a meal in his house at the table while he's still at the table okay he's at the table and he's telling the man now 
well, you know what? You disobeyed God's command. You didn't keep the strict orders your God gave you. Now, notice he said your God gave you. When I hear that term, your God gave you, it, it kind of infers perhaps the older prophet was not serving the true and living God. Because <laughs> he didn't say you didn't keep the strict orders that our God gave you. He said you didn't keep the strict orders that your God gave you. See, the older prophet was working by another spirit. You and I, this is June the 20th. It's Father's Day, the 21st century. We have to, to listen to what our God says. And your God better be the true and the living God. See, because the true and the living God is the God of life. He's a God of destiny. He's a God of purpose. He's a God of hope. He's a God of blessing. The enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy, just as he did for that younger prophet. When the older prophet lied to him and he listened to him, what happened to the younger prophet? He, he was killed. He was destroyed. And that's the plan that the enemy has for you and for me when we disobey God. The devil's plan is to kill us, to destroy us, is to separate us. That's why it, we cannot afford three things we don't want to be. We don't want to be clueless. You've got to know that you know that you know before you leave your house that the enemy's plan is to try to trip you up. But see, before you leave your house, you don't have to, to leave paranoid. You don't have to leave in fear. You don't have to to walk like I'm afraid. No, you don't have to go like that because you need to be prayed up. I need to be prayed up. Before I leave my house, I need to be seeking the face of God. I need to be hearing the directions from God for me that day. Amen. I need to hear as thus saith the Lord. We learn a very valuable lesson in this story. Just because somebody's older or just because somebody else said that they heard from God, you must have your own relationship with God so that you can discern his voice from somebody else's. The younger prophet had originally heard clearly the word of God clearly and God's anointing was on him so much so the the king couldn't even hurt him when he tried to grab him the king's arm was paralyzed it began to wither and the anointing of God was so much on the younger prophet that he prayed for the king's arm to be restored and it was instantly restored I mean he was moving and working in the power under the anointing of of the holy God where he went wrong was to begin to listen to a false word you and I cannot afford to listen to a false word in this hour we have to hear from God not from something that is false that government 
that that prophet went to speak to that king, that government was in a very bad position. I'm going to read for you the third time, verses 33 and 34 of this passage of scripture from 1 Kings 13. This is the third time I'm going to read it. After this happened, Jeroboam kept right on doing evil, recruiting priests for the forbidden shrines indiscriminately. Anyone, anyone who wanted to be could be a priest at one of the local shrines. And anybody who wanted to be a pastor could be a pastor at one of the local quote-unquote churches. This was the root sin of Jeroboam's government, and it was this that ruined him. The altar of God has been defiled in so many churches today. And God is about to act just as he did in 1 Kings 13. You better know what the will of the Lord is. I have to know what the will of the Lord is. I need to obey his will. How does a person know what the will of the Lord is? For their life. Well, you know what? I get this question more than any other question as I travel in this country, as I go to other nations. This is like the number one question I get. Sister Pearl, how can I discern the will of God is for me? And I always give them this response. I get it from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. See, worshiping God is not just singing a song or, or doing something that, that looks religious. Worshiping God is to invite God into your life and to honor him in everything that you do. That is worshiping God. Living a life that is acceptable to him. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One day I'm going to teach on that. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. If you and I want to know what the will of God is for our lives, then we've got to be willing to present our bodies, our physical bodies, as holy sacrifices to God. We cannot let our physical bodies be doing things that are not in accordance and not acceptable to God. We cannot be living like the world, sound like the world, have the desires of the world. No. But we need to be changed, totally transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because God renews our mind. We're going to understand what the will of God is. He's going to reveal what the will of God is. Everyone's serious about living for God and wanting to please God, their Heavenly Father. They seek to know what the will of God is. And so you don't need to be clueless. Now, the very first thing I would say is to know his revealed will in his word. There are many instances in our last journey, though, where we do not have the revealed will of God spelled out for us in his holy word. For example, who I marry? Where do I live? That's not in the word of God. You don't find that. But we find we find the 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 principle for who we should be married to. 
we should be married to somebody that that is in in agreement with God's word. But but still, is that enough? Now, the question about where do I live, and when do I know where He is directing me to live? Which house do I purchase? Do I purchase? Do I buy? In this present culture, you know, if I'm in high school, I I need to know which university or college should I attend. Because if I attend certain colleges, you know, I I might not be following God next year. There's much debate in the kingdom of God about the topic I've just brought up, and that's seeking God's will in everything. There are many biblical scholars and teachers that they will tell you that, you know, God leaves the choice of a spouse or buying a house or piece of land. He leaves it he leaves it solely up to each individual and God's really not actively involved in the specific person that you marry or where you wind up living. However, when I read the word of God, I cannot agree with such kind of thinking. Because when Abraham sent out his most trusted and chief male servant, again, we don't have the time to go into that story, but in Genesis chapter twenty four, you can read it. God answered the servant's prayer and led him directly to the wife God chose for Isaac. When Lot had the opportunity to choose land to live in, he did not consult God, and he ended up choosing that which only looked good to his eyesight. It turned out to be Sodom and Gomorrah. Hmm. It turned out to be some place that was horrible, but it looked good. It looked real good. I believe in seeking God about these, especially these important things. Now, when I go food shopping and I go grocery shopping, I buy vegetables, I buy fish, I'm not always asking the Lord, you know, which, which apple should I, should I buy? God gives me the sense, and my mother taught me how to pick fruit, so I know what fruit is rotten. And what is fresh or what, how to pick fish. I know how to pick fresh fish from stale fish. But when it comes to a husband, when it comes to a house, when it comes to am I going to live in California because I don't like this place, you know, I need to hear from God. Clearly, I need to seek God. Can you imagine me just choosing and, and picking somebody that looks good to me? And I don't really know who that person is. I'm going to suffer the consequence if I don't get who God has for me. I need the will of God. And let me tell you something. When I disobey God, I, I feel distanced from God. But thank God I, I, I have the capacity to quickly repent and ask God to forgive me. And he draws me, you know, close to his bosom. And even David old said, create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from the presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You don't want to be separated from God, ladies and gentlemen. You don't. You don't want to be clueless. You don't want to be disobedient. And you don't want to be separated from God. You don't. Because when you're clueless and you're going, yeah, doo, 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 and you're just like, you know, every day you just get up and, you know, you just, you just, you know, do things to do things because you're accustomed to doing things. That's not the kind of life that God has 
for a believing child of God. He did not deposit his precious Holy Spirit inside of you, inside of me, so that we can live clueless. I can't tell you how surprised I am in 2021 as I watch so many clueless people claiming to be Christians. Clueless. Clueless. Clueless as to what is happening around them. Clueless as to the fact that the whole world, I'm talking about the entire globe, I'm talking about everybody who's listening to the sound of my voice, is living in a day and a time when you have a few elitists who think that they want to play God and they have an evil agenda set up for the majority of those of us who live here. And most people on planet Earth, can you and I be Christian and be clueless to what is going on? Really? Honestly. Are we praying? Are we reading the word of God? Do we understand what day and time that we're living in? I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm in shock almost every day. I am in shock. As I say, I look, I don't know a lot. There's a lot of things I don't know. I don't claim to be, you know, so wise and, you know, smarter than other people. But you have to be literally on another planet if you don't see that we are living in the end times. If you're claiming to be a Christian and you don't understand what day and what hour and what time you're living in, you're clueless. And I would dare say you're disobedient. Because if you're really obeying God, you're going to understand some stuff. You're going to be perceiving some things. You're going to be getting some revelation that God's going to be downloading inside of you. And you're going to be wanting to be drawing much closer to God than you've ever been in your entire life. Three things you don't want to be. My sister, my brother, and even you that are not in the, in the body of Christ yet. You don't want to be clueless. You don't want to disobey God. And you don't want to be separated from God. Because let me tell you something. If you're apart from God, then you belong to the devil. That's just it. Straight up, that's the way it is. We belong to either God or we belong to the devil. There is no middle ground. If nobody told you that, your sister Pearl is going to tell you that. In this broadcast, you either belong to God or you belong to the devil. 
I will encourage you to belong to God. Why? Because God can do what the devil cannot do. God holds the ability to give you entrance into eternal life. The devil can't do that. Even the devil can't put you in hell. He doesn't have the power to do that, but God does. And God does not want to put you. He wants you to be eternally with him. But he gives you a choice. He gives me a choice. I can choose this day whom I will serve. I'm either going to serve God, love God, obey God, or be eternally separated from God. Please, you don't want to be clueless. You don't want to be disobedient. And you might say, well, Sister Pearl, how do you know? I want to be disobedient. Well, you know, I say that in a, in a way of speech. I cannot make you want to obey God. But I'll tell you straight up. You might not like what I have to say, but I'm going to tell you. If you don't want to obey God, you're very foolish. Very foolish individual. If you don't want to obey God. If you, want to, if you like disobeying God, you're not smart. Hmm. You're not a wise person because God is one that wants to bless and the devil is one that wants to curse. So if you want to choose the way of cursing, then go ahead and go and be with the devil. But if you want to choose the way of blessing, then you have to choose God. Again, I'm going to close out by reading these few verses in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach wrongdoers your ways and sinners will be converted to you. And Heavenly Father, in this last minute, I pray for every listener to this broadcast tonight. We don't want to be clueless. God, help us, Jesus. We don't want to be disobedient, and we don't want to be separated from you, O oh God. Draw us by your Holy Spirit and give us a heart, give us a desire that when you give us a clear word, like you gave that young prophet, that we stick to that clear word. We don't deviate. We don't listen to some lying older prophet or lying young prophet or lying whatever prophet. We don't listen to anybody other than you, Holy Spirit of God, because in you is life everlasting. May the Lord bless you real good until the next time. This is your Sister Pearl with the word with Sister Pearl. God loves you so much. Your Sister Pearl loves you too.